comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What is up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone. Kyle will not be joining me tonight. Sadly, he had another thing scheduled, so he could not make it. So it's just me running solo for the night. As always, if you don't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, give us those five-star reviews, leave those nice comments. You can find me on Twitter at Aztec Breakdown, find the website, aztecbreakdown.com. I also recently started doing TikTok and Instagram, both at Aztec Breakdown, so if you're interested in any of that, follow there. You can follow Kyle at Call Me Kinslow. You can find the pod on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart all the good places. So if you aren't already, please subscribe. Please leave those those good reviews. Set that notification deal to auto-download. It really helps out the show. Let's get started with the news. A couple things, one good, one bad. We'll start with the bad news. The good news doesn't quite outweigh it, but it did make me happy. The bad news is that as of earlier tonight, before I started recording, uh, this is this is Tuesday night. Corin Johnson decommitted from San Diego State. Uh, if you've listened to the past couple shows, you know that both Kyle and myself were very high on Corin Johnson. We thought he was the best player in the recruiting class, and that he was going to be the point guard that brought the class together. Uh, and he was the most likely player to get minutes early on, as well. He, uh, I, I, you know, I have no knowledge of why the decommitment happened or anything like that it you know there's there's people are asking me they're suggesting that now that he committed maybe some of the bigger schools are starting to get involved i remember washington was one of the schools that was recruiting him i don't remember the other one that was in his top three washington definitely not as good of a program as san diego state but you know, it's it's definitely possible. Maybe a, a Baylor is recruiting him. Maybe a Gonzaga is now recruiting him. You know, any any number of, of scenarios could be happening. It is definitely a bummer, to say the least. But I will say these two things. For one, the class, even if it's not as good without Corn Johnson, it's still a solid class. Miles Bird has a lot of potential, a lot of room for growth. Um, and is already highly skilled, right? If you've been listening, the thing that's holding him back is just his his weight, his size. And then Elijah Saunders is also skilled, not quite as skilled, but skilled and is is college ready size already. And so they will both be good players. And then Demarche Johnson is redshirting this year, and so he'll be starting, you know, to play next year, presumably. Uh, so it's still, you know, if you if you go on the technicality and count him, it's still a good class. Just not not as good, and it's it is upsetting, absolutely, but it's still a solid class. The other thing it reminds me of is this this moment specifically actually reminded me of 
it, it's not the same exact thing, but a couple years ago, the Aztecs were going hard after Boogie Ellis and after Jaden McDaniels, and neither of them were committing, and they probably weren't going to commit. It kind of it kind of looked like they were probably going to go elsewhere. And in the meantime, you know, like like they could have committed, and and, and it looked like they weren't going to. And that was disappointing. I remember being disappointed, like, man, like those two players would have been, would have been great to get. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> them not committing opened up the door for Yanni Wetzel specifically. And we saw how wonderfully that worked out. And then also, if I'm remembering correctly, KJ Fagan was able to come in and take that guard spot that Boogie Ellis would have taken. And that worked out pretty wonderfully as well, if I do say so. And also, fast forwarding, like, Jaden McDaniels went to Washington and kind of was a disappointment. And granted, he did get he did get drafted, right? And, and credit to him. I'm not trying to talk bad about him at all. Uh, but it was one of those things where, you know, the Aztecs might have might have and actually not might have definitely got the better end of that deal of him not not committing and probably could say the same about Boogie Ellis. Boogie played at Memphis for a couple of years and, and is a solid player, is a good player. Uh, but at, I think it's I think it's worked out not getting those players in, in the long run. And I'm not saying this to say Corn Johnson is going to flame out or anything like that, but just that I think looking back on it, these things tend to work out. And Corn Johnson not committing, what it will do is open up that spot for some other type of transfer player to come in next year, right? And it might be a one-year guy like uh, you know, like Matt Bradley or Terrell Gomez, or it might be somebody else like Chad Baker coming in who, you know, has a year under their belt, sure, but they get another two or three years before they run out of eligibility. So it's it's definitely disappointing in the moment, but I encourage you all, Aztec Nation, to not get your head down too much because if you look back on it, these things tend to work out. Moving on to our main topic, the Aztecs play two games this week. They play UC Riverside on Tuesday night, which is why I'm recording this earlier on Monday night, and they play Brigham Young University on the road on Friday, I want to say. This is coming off of the exhibition game against St. Catherine. And luckily for all of us, Kyle got his wish. Nobody got injured during the game. So that was great. That being said, there was some, shall we say, apprehension after the game. The team didn't didn't look great, if we're being totally honest. And I want to lead off by saying it's not something that I'm really worried about. I don't think it's something that the fan base, you know, any of us as fans should be worried about. I think the people that were saying things along the lines of if the team plays like this against Riverside, we lose. I think that's probably accurate. Honestly, that being said, it's an exhibition game. It's the first time playing in front of fans for a while. Some of the starters actually looked good. I thought Nathan Mensa looked fantastic. Matt Bradley, I think, had 15 points in like 20 minutes. Uh, so some of the guys still looked good, right? It was just the team as a whole didn't look great. They also played 16 guys. I think 
the the player who's played the most i want to say was matt bradley uh with 19 minutes somebody had 19 minutes i think it was i think it was bradley it can be hard to get into a rhythm when when you're only playing for that long uh and especially like i said first game back there's some jitters playing in front of the crowd stuff like that i am a little concerned about the starting lineup well we just i mean we need a bigger sample size to see how that's going to work out but just the lack of shooting in the starting lineup is a concern and in the exhibition as a whole the lack of shooting was a problem uh I think only four players hit three-point shots, and Adam Seiko hit two of them. And I saw that, and I was like, that's that's why I want Seiko in the starting lineup. Like, he brings that, and Butler, for all his gifts, don't get me wrong, Butler's a great player, but for all his gifts, I don't know that he brings that. No, maybe he does. Maybe he proves me wrong. And if so, fantastic, because if he shoots well, then he's a better player than Seiko is. But it's just, right now it's a matter of fit, but we will see. Overall, not too worried about the exhibition. We'll see how it goes as we as we continue. Moving on to Riverside, though. University of California, Riverside. Looking at them as a team. Now listen, before I even get into it, I want to preface this by saying I'm no expert on UC Riverside, right? I have not been following them at all this offseason. I've been looking at some of the the better teams that San Diego state will face, but looking at them a little bit, they are a defensive first team that likes shoot a lot of threes. That might sound familiar to you guys. I honestly, when I, when I look at them on paper, they kind of look like a a poor man's version of San Diego state, just in terms of very basic, very general philosophies, right? They like to shoot a lot of threes. They like to play hard defense. So that's a thing. They are a very slow team, so which is typical of most defensive teams. They want to slow the game down, limit possessions, things of that nature. Looking at their shot chart from last season is a little scary. Not going to lie. They are better than average pretty much across the board. Like in any spot of the floor you want to look at, they are better than average at defending shots from that spot. So... For a team like the Aztecs, just looking at it in that regard, for a team like the Aztecs that we feel like the defense is going to be really good and the offense might need some work, this might be an interesting first game because they are probably also going to be a team where the defense will be pretty solid and the offense might need some work. So it it is very possible that it will be a low-scoring defensive slug out and one team wins like 60 to 55 or something along those lines you know anything along along those lines is possible they are currently rated at 153 in ken palm but for what it's worth they finished last season 106 in ken palm and i would expect that they would that they would rise up again above 153 and finish you know better than average and Bart Torvik, which is, you know, like essentially the free version of Ken Palm, has them at 89. So definitely not a team to take lightly. Probably going to end up being a quad three game at home. But at home, 
you know, still really good teams end up being quad three games a lot of the time. So not, not anything to take lightly. Coach Dutcher had mentioned that a big reason he wanted a team like UC Riverside was because they are good. He didn't want to beat up on some, you know, Western Texas agricultural university or whatever, you know, some school that nobody's ever heard of um, in the first game, because a couple days later they have BYU and he just wanted a, an actual game to like challenge the guys and help them really knock off that rust and get them into a flow. And I think just from what I'm seeing on paper, UC Riverside seems like a good team to do that because the Aztecs should still win. They're favored by 15 points on Ken Palm. They're favored by seven points on Bart Torvik. So they should still win, but it should be more challenging than, you know, even like UC San Diego, who they're playing later in the year, right? It will be a more challenging game than that. So I think Brian Dutcher did a good job and it all, they, they still have to go out and win the game. And if they lose, it's going to be bad. But I think he did a good job. The players to look out for that that stand out, they have a pretty good guard tandem. And I'm probably going to say some of these names wrong. But you got Zion Pullen, 6'4 guard, who's a junior, who scores the ball efficiently, also sets up his teammates well. Uh, and then Dominic Pickett, who is a 6'3 senior guard, who also is a pretty efficient scorer, honestly probably more efficiently than Poland, but doesn't quite set up his teammates as much. Um, so those are the two players to look out for. They're both guards, and I think that actually bodes well for the Aztecs because Trey Pulliam is a good defender at 6'3", right? Very quick, very quick first step. Very good lateral movement. Led the team in defensive points over expectation last season, so... He should be able to do his job. And then Lamont Butler, granted he's only six foot, but very similar in the sense that great defender, very disruptive, very quick, can cut off those lanes, all that type of stuff. So with those two being the top guys to look out for, I think this matchup favors San Diego State. Now, I don't know about like who their defenders are necessarily, you know, defense is, is a lot harder to gauge when you just look at a team on paper. It does look like they may start, you know, three guards, which also I think benefits San Diego state because it lets Matt Bradley not get taken advantage of on the wing. And so, and, and Matt Bradley is going to absolutely cook guys this season. And so it'll be, Hopefully a good game for him to want still continue to get his feet under him, knock off any of that rust, get into a rhythm, find his spots within this new offense. That'll be important, especially before a game on the road at BYU. So it'll be a good game for him. And then always you have Nathan Mensa on the back line. And so your defense is going to be good as long as that's the case. So all in all, I think it'll be a good matchup. I think Riverside will challenge the Aztecs in the ways that they need to be challenged. Namely, like there will be a good defensive team and that will push the Aztecs to have to figure stuff out on offense. And even if they don't, they should still win behind their defense and that will give them you know, some tape and some things to look at and work on in a couple days leading up 
to BYU. Moving on to BYU, BYU objectively has been a really good team the last two years. I think they finished in the top 20 in Ken Palm the last two years in a row ever since uh, Mark Pope became their coach. On top of that, this game is on the road, and it's hard to beat BYU in their arena just in general. Even in their down years, that is hard to do. There is, you know, I I do remember fondly two years ago when the Aztecs went to BYU and won, and that was great. Uh, BYU kind of got their revenge coming to Viejas this last season and winning a game that was tied with like two minutes left, I think. You know, Matt Mitchell went off and scored 35 in that game. And then BYU managed to to pull it out in the end. Matt Mitchell isn't here this year. And it's it might take someone else scoring 35, right? Who knows? Uh, the main thing to focus on with BYU, at least in my opinion, is how do you stop Alex Barcelo? The kid is... A machine, quite frankly. Uh, and I know that us Aztec fans, you know, we we just saw Jordan Shackle, right, who is probably the best shooter in program history. And not only that, but he finished with the best, like his best season shooting from behind the arc. He shot 46% from behind the arc last season as a senior. Which is even more impressive because he's not just like standing in the corner and hitting shots when they come to him. He is coming off of screens. He was going off of a lot of movement. These weren't just standstill shots that Jordan Shackle was taking. And he shot 46%, which is an absolutely ridiculous number. And realistically, probably wouldn't have held up over the course of an entire season. Alex Barcelo on admittedly for sure. It was it was less shots in terms of behind the arc. I think he took more shots overall, but from behind the arc it was less shots, sure. So smaller sample size, greater variance. And this also wouldn't have held up had he taken more shots. But that being said, Alex Barcelo shot 47.2% from behind the arc. And once again, very similarly, he does it off of a lot of movement. What what you'll see when the Aztecs play BYU is uh, they use Barcelo, honestly, a, a lot like how I understand Steph Curry gets used in the NBA. So Alex Barcelo will walk up the ball and initiate the offense, absolutely. So he's the guard that that brings the ball up the court, and then he passes it to someone whether it's a big at like the elbow whether it's a player out on the wing whatever he passes it to somebody and then he starts running off of screens and BYU will honestly basically just do that for like an entire possession until Barcelo gets open and then when he's open when he gets the ball now he has an advantage right and he might rise up and and take the shot he might attack now that he's lost his defender right and the defense is broken and try and kick out to another shooter right he's a very good passer too uh he is just a very good offensive player in general he can shoot he can finish at the rim he's a good decision maker and so figuring out how to stop him will be very important i would expect uh 
you know, I was just talking up Trey Pulliam and Lamont Butler. Between the two, I think I would expect Lamont Butler to be guarding Barcelo. Uh, Barcelo is 6'2", so Trey Pulliam does have a little bit more size, but I think Lamont Butler will just be able to be more physical and more disruptive, hopefully. I think when Barcelo gives up the ball, you need to play heavy ball denial and make sure he doesn't get it back. But even then, you have to be careful because he's he's a smart player, and if you play too aggressive, he's going to back cut you and get a layup or something. So figuring out how to stop Barcelo, and you can't even really stop him, but how to slow him down will be will be very important for the Aztecs. Uh, in the game at Viejas this past season, he scored 22 points off of 7 of 11 shooting. So highly efficient. And then also 6 for 6 from the free throw line. To top it off, to add just salt to the wound, he also had 7 rebounds and 7 assists and a steal. So very efficient game against the Aztecs last year. Uh, figuring out how to slow him down is going to be key. BYU is also very good defensively, and actually there's another player I want to highlight here, Caleb Lohner, who was a freshman last year. Uh, the Aztecs faced him you know, early in the season when he, he was still getting his feet under him. If you remember uh, the, the play against BYU where Matt Mitchell was kind of like guarding this guy close, and he had the ball up above his head, and Matt Mitchell swiped it out of his hands and then ran down and dunked, and I think that was the play that tied the game, actually, that was Caleb Lohner, right? Uh, Lohner is, I can't think of a great comparison for the Aztecs, but he's a guy, he's 6'8", 230, but he's really athletic, uh, pretty physical. He really came into his own towards the end of last year. He shot about 36% from behind the arc. It's not what he loves to do. It's not what he's best at, but he's capable of hitting those shots so like you have to close out on him but he's he really likes being closer to the basket and finishing down low he's a good rebounder so he has a lot of skills and he got a lot better last year and he's probably going to continue to be better this year so he's going to be a player he's probably going to be more of a focus like leading BYU defensively uh, because he's a very switchable player he's going to be getting a lot of the rebounds things of that nature uh, and I'm sure he'll, you know, he'll do his work on offense too. So finding where to slow him down there will be important. But he will be leading, leading the defensive side is what is what I'm imagining, right? A lot of this is guesswork because we haven't seen nobody seen these teams play really, except for the exhibitions, which, as I said earlier, you can't really draw much from them. But those are the two players I would highlight. Last season, BYU did a lot of drop coverage because they had Matt Harms as their primary big, and he was a 7-3 center, but he wasn't the most mobile with his feet. Uh, this year, as far as I know, their primary center will be Richard Harward, who should be a little bit more mobile, but they'll probably still do a lot of drop coverage, which is where on a screen the center will drop down kind of into the paint to protect the rim. And what they're hoping to do there is force jump shots. And against... Lamont Butler and against Trey Pulliam, if they force jump shots from those players, they probably consider that a win, honestly, because those players aren't established shooters. So that will be something to look out for. They're going to be trying to goad the Aztecs 
into those type of shots and seeing to what extent the Aztecs, you know, let that happen, to what extent they force the issue and still try to attack the basket, whether it's, uh, you know, Trey Pulliam using that little hesitation step back and then and then attacking again that way he tries to draw the big out further whether it's lamont butler maybe getting in and using one of his spin moves uh that will be definitely key to watch and then you know matt bradley can hit shots from anywhere so seeing how much he is in the pick and roll and how much he runs the pick and roll i think he's more comfortable as an off-ball player but he's definitely comfortable on the ball in terms of like he can run pick and rolls i think he he prefers to be a recipient out of the pick and roll, but he can do it. And so if, you know, if the center is dropping, he's a player that can come off the screen and hit the three or make it to, you know, the elbow or somewhere in the mid range and hit one of those shots. So, you know, depending on how the defense is going and how guys like Pulliam and Butler and even, you know, Seiko and maybe, maybe Dinwiddie getting some run, we'll see. Depending on how those shots are falling might determine how much run Matt Bradley gets in the pick and roll. So that'll be something to look out for. It's guys and gals and other other humans just in general. Uh, it's an exciting time of year. The basketball season is here. It is among us. And it's going to be a wild ride. The Aztecs, it is very likely, I would say, that they lose a game early, Right. Uh, probably here against against BYU. BYU, let's look. Bart Torvik has BYU as a three-point favorite, and Ken Palm has BYU also as a three-point favorite. So it's it's close, right? Uh, that's at home. BYU is a three-point favorite. So that's basically all of all of home court advantage right there. These these metrics early on with no actual sample size see these two teams as pretty much equal. But it's it's tough to go on the road and beat the BYU, and they've been good lately, especially. So we might not see you know one of these starts that we've had the last couple of years where they win five, six, seven in a row to start off. They might get a loss in the first week. I encourage all the fans to, you know, if we're two games in, sure we have a loss. It's not ideal, absolutely, but it is also not the end of the world right now if we lose BYU and Arizona State then then we can look and see what's going on but that's a little that's a little ways down for the moment though let's enjoy the ride there's going to be ups there's going to be downs but it's going to be fun Aztec Nation I think that is all I have for this one when you see the post, if you get, the, you know, those of you that get the post on Twitter, let me know what you think. Let me know uh, your game predictions, anything you're worried about for this week of games, everything that's coming up. Let me know what your thoughts, what your feelings are, um, any feelings about Corin Johnson, any feelings that I have didn't, you know, mention earlier about the exhibition, anything like that. Let, let me know. Hit me up. Hit Kyle up too. I know he's not here, but I know he loves talking to you guys. So hit us up. And that does it for this one, Aztec Nation. We'll catch you next time.